What's up? It's Numbers on the Boards. I'm Bobby Corella. I'm flying without Jeff Skin Wade today, but I am not flying solo. Joining me on this uh, mission to podcast glory. Greatness. Greatness mm-hmm. is Mike Marshall. Hey, Bobby. Thanks for having me on your podcast again. Yeah, I was going to say, it feels like you've been on every episode since uh, since you started working here. Not on numbers on the board. I mean, we've done a lot of shows together, obviously, because we're the main two, I guess, um, audio content drivers of our little platform we've made. But yeah, numbers on the board proper. I think I made one one appearance and then uh, you uh, y'all kicked me off because the numbers were too good, Yeah, I think. Yeah, skin started feeling like you were like crowding his. Uh, uh-huh. yeah, that's yeah. that's just like skin to be super insecure and worry about what other people are doing. Yeah, I mean the locker room. <laughs> the locker room chemistry matters, man. It really does. And it, he felt like you were encroaching on his territory. Now you were starting to like put your things in his locker. Yeah, so I mean, I thought it was MySpace a little bit, um, not the website, but you yeah. know, I just said, you know, I'm new here, and you know what. This is my locker now, so I hung up my coat and like some shoes, but I didn't think that was gonna be a big deal. Yeah, MySpace—that's a reference that probably not a lot of people will get, but I think that your your true millennial will get that. Um, if you didn't get new hot singles, and I'm not talking about uh, human beings, I'm talking about from music, <laughs> musical artists. If they, if your favorite artist didn't drop their new hot single on MySpace, then you know what? You're a little too young for me. Yeah, if <laughs> to you be talking to if you didn't sweat out uh, who's going to be in your top eight, dude. Then you're how too, many fights? You're too old. Yeah, over the top eight. You always have your old standby, like eight. Your friend that like really didn't care about the internet that much, that you always keep it eight because you knew that guy was cool and he wouldn't get mad at you. But then, dude, there was politicking oh, there was. in that top seven. Yeah, because it's it's your top row. So uh-huh. like four is is four more important than five because five is the first in the row, but it's the second row. I mean, and then they made a top sixteen option, and that was like, oh my, I don't even know sixteen people. You know, I, I definitely don't have sixteen. There was friends. a thirty-two people yeah. had a thirty-two. That is insane to me. And of course, if you're, you know, if you're if you're dating someone or the eighth grade equivalent, oh, they gotta be someone, they gotta be first. Yeah, if they're not, then you're gonna have problems. I used to just put random girls first. Wow, it's like what's up? Yeah. What's up, Jessica from biology? I, I'm sure Jessica noticed. You don't know me, but uh, you're number one. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I had an agreement with one of my friends actually that we would be each other's number one just forever, so that way we never had to like worry about the. That's adorable. The negotiation of it all. Nah, babe. Well, which one of you got a girlfriend first and broke the <laughs> pact? Uh, it's me you're talking about, so <laughs> okay, you know we we never guy. had to worry about that. Yeah, yeah. It's always just flying what, solo on and off the internet. What could go wrong with having to rank your friends? In a public platform. <laughs> yeah. Isn't it uh, insane that that was yeah. actually a thing? Right, you're just saying that if you went somewhere with this group of eight people, this is the person you'd all have to kill first and eat. And eight. Yeah, that's your number eight person. Yeah, that's my eight guy. Yeah, and you better be, I mean, I, I was proud of how many top twos or top threes I broke into. So that, that oh, made you had a strong, happy. you had a strong uh, average draft position? Yeah, yeah, my ADP was really high. Yeah. So, yeah, that's millennial life for you. Uh, if you never got emotional while listening to yellow card you're not a millennial oh wow I feel like that's yellow another good test yeah yellow cards a hit or miss thing i don't feel like that traveled across platforms but there is a yellow card for each group of friends like, oh yeah we definitely uh taking back sunday i'll still listen to taking back sunday uh coheed and cambria is one of my favorite bands ever and they've evolved to a little bit more than a uh warp tour band but no there's there's three or four in each group of a uh, group of friends that is their yellow card yeah yeah, I was uh, Louisville, Texas, 
suburb. So mm-hmm. Yellow Card and My Chemical Romance was kind of like My that, Chemical the Romance. Edgy kids listen to My Chemical Romance. That yeah. was that was a little too edgy for me. My Chemical Romance still slaps. <laughs> yeah. Don't, don't don't let them fool you. Yeah. Okay. Great band. Great yeah. band. Good stuff. Okay. So today on this program. What are we doing? We're going to talk a little bit about uh, transition offense, especially some guy named Luca mm. doing stuff in transition. And then uh, if you guys listened to The Ceiling is the Roof, parts one or two, or even both, you'll remember that the first two episodes are both uh, 10 questions about the Mavs season, 10 questions plus a couple bonus questions. So it was about 25 questions total. Well, I got three more for Mike because 25 is not enough. So I got three more for you to think about. We'll, we'll talk about those. And then I got a little rant. And then at the very end, uh, Mike, I don't know if you are a big fantasy basketball nerd. I'm not really. I don't, I don't really play fantasy basketball. Are you doing a league this year? Um, I don't know. Do you I, want in on one? I got one. Uh, I guess we could talk about it. Well, okay. after we have after we have one conversation about fantasy basketball, you'll know whether I'm oh, no. whether I'm good enough to just like you you let anti- me into your league. It's a free win, you know. Yeah, I mean, a lot of people. I mean, I feel like I'm probably a free because I'm I'm the guy that'll pay attention real hard for like two to three weeks, and then like uh, if it's not going so well, I'm probably checked out. Yeah, because like, I got a lot of stuff going on. By the time the Warriors have played their eighth game, you're yeah. like, well, I don't know. You know. Yeah, or one of my play one of my first three picks gets hurt. You ain't seeing this guy in the message boards <laughs> the rest of the year. <laughs> Sorry about it, folks. You're Here's my fifty guy. bucks. Bye. You're that guy. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So we'll so we'll get to that at the very end too. We got some uh, some interesting fantasy rankings involving oh, the Mavs. I'm here for that. Yeah. I uh, just thought of something brilliant we need to do. By the way, since there are people that probably listen to, and if you are, uh, you're like a platinum member. If you listen to this podcast, if you listen to The Four Pointer, if you listen to Ceiling is the Roof, and you listen to uh, Lazelle and Katya on uh, Just Between Us Girls, we need to like give away give away like um, keywords at the end of each podcast. Oh, yeah. And then have someone tweet us the sentence that we we gave out, and then that person just gets to like, come up here and hang out at Mavs headquarters one day or something. I feel like every... And answer my emails for me. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> every, uh, every password is going to just be like ceiling is the roof, yeah. variations of those four words. Yeah, that's fine. So, yeah, just uh, keep that in mind. Mavs yeah, password. We We're calling it Mavs password. So. Okay, I think we should do that. The yeah. first keyword... Spaghetti. Spaghetti? Yeah. Okay. Spaghetti, I obviously. Gonna, I was thinking that too, yeah. but I was... I can read your mind. Yeah. Um... Just hungry. <laughs> well, I did have. I had so much pasta for lunch. <laughs> so, if, <laughs> what's wrong with you? If you're making, if you make like a really long point and you just stop hearing my voice, it's because I passed out. <laughs> did <laughs> you eat all that pasta? I did. I ate all of it. I ate every bite of that pasta, dude. This I was guy hungry. Had two bowls of pasta. <laughs> I don't know. I don't get it. I'm. I was hungry, man. This is the most confusing order I've ever seen. It's been a long week. <laughs> It really has, and it's Tuesday. It's been a long year. We got two, uh, you know, the Mavs two China games. One was on Friday, one was on Monday. Uh, Those were 5.30 a.m. call times for us. My sleep cycle still has not corrected. And you weren't even in China. Imagine how the players, because they were, like, playing games and stuff. We were just watching them. That first game, I felt like defense was optional for about a half of basketball, and then it was like, okay, guys, you know what? They're keeping score, and they're uh, counting down on a clock. We're not getting out of here any quicker than than uh, what that thing says, so we might as well try this second half. We can't escape this thing. Hey, so the uh, first half was kind of ugly, but second half of the first game, and then the second game was good, I Yeah, feel. the second game was good all around, and those were like two real kind of regular season games. I mean, in the second game, we saw – uh, you know, the Mavs go to Costas, Ding, and, and Daryl making down the stretch. And obviously those guys will to be bring spending, it home. Yeah, spending a majority of the season in Frisco. But, I mean, dude, they were 
like Luca got 28 minutes, I think, in one of those games. I mean, that's like that's a regular season workload that they were getting. Well, that's one of my theories about his uh, preseason workload in general. As some guys, it's kind of optional if you've played professionally in the NBA for you know um, what a l- 10 years for DeAndre now. Barnes is coming up on six or seven or something like that. Preseason's kind of optional for those guys. And Dirk, it's a different situation where he's recovering from the ankle and he's trying to get as healthy as possible uh, by the time the season rolls around. But I feel like Rick is trying to play Luka into NBA shape. Um, Just 25-plus minutes every stinking game. Go out there, run a lot, get your workout in. This is your cardio. It's using games as cardio uh, to build up his wind. And not that he's out of shape. It's just, you know, I need you to feel – what this is like and if I only roll, roll you out there 15 minutes or 20 minutes I don't feel like you're going to get real burn your lungs aren't going to start uh feeling like there's a fire inside of them so let's let's play 25 20 28 30 minutes if you want to young fella go get it yeah interested to see what Friday brings for him too yeah well and since uh since he won the Euro League in the Spanish League like in a span of two weeks in May or June or whenever I think it was like mid-June is when he played mm-hmm. his last game he basically hasn't done anything. I mean, he's shot around and stuff, played a little five-on-five, five, but this is kind of his summer workout program, you know, condensed into one three-week stretch. It's a crash basically. course yeah. is what it is. So, uh, But it's been interesting, too, because for the most part, and, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but I'm pretty sure, like, Dennis has played all of his minutes with starters. Mm-hmm. Uh, Wes has played all of his minutes, I believe, with Dennis. I mean, those guys are rarely split apart, but Luca at least in the second uh, game in China for sure, was playing quite a bit of minutes with J.J. and some of the bench guys too. Mm-hmm. And uh, He was one of the only people whose minutes kind of got split up. Dwight Powell did because DeAndre was inactive. Um, but, I mean, Luca playing a little bit with Dennis, playing a little bit with J.J., get a little glimpse at both. And the thing that stood out to me a lot was uh, whenever Luca was out there with J.J., Luca had the ball. Yeah. He was kind of running point. Mm-hmm. Which I think is Dennis did run with some of the bench unit late in the second game. Because remember, he? we were waiting for him to score another basket so he could get over 20 points. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and he was out there with, uh, with uh, you know, the second unit and third string type guys uh, in that instance. But, I mean, that's going – we're all keeping an eye on that and how these guys are used because I think we all kind of collectively have this ambition that we don't want a minute of Mavs basketball to happen this year in which – Luca or Dennis aren't on the court like they just need to make like a little Lincoln log house and just connect their minutes all the (laughs) way around like there needs to be no gaps where um, one of our two best playmakers isn't on the court Uh, and I'd love for I don't know if Rick feels the same way be interesting to ask him about that is there you know do you need one of them on the court at all times to make plays and generate open looks but um, I hope that's the case I think eventually it will be one day I'm not sure that it it's now, but uh, like with Houston, for example, with Harden and Chris Paul, both of those guys are playing like 34, 36 minutes a game, and mm-hmm. I don't know that they're ever off the floor at the same time unless the game is already decided. Yeah. With the Mavs, I'm not sure that those guys will play that many minutes, but uh, what do you think? What do you think the minutes for those guys? I don't know. I mean, maybe like per so. Game. Dennis last year was 29 for the season and yeah. 30. 30.1 after the All-Star break. So I mm-hmm. could see him get up to like 32 maybe. 32, 33. 30 32 for both. Yeah, maybe 30. Luca's probably 28. Uh, I mean, he could, he could maybe be a little more. You think a little more? Maybe. Mm-hmm. I mean, I guess it depends. You know, we'll see how his how his body responds. But, I mean, the good mm-hmm. thing with Luca is like he has three or four years of playing two yeah. or three or four games a week. Those games so are shorter though, right? They're 40-minute games. 40, yeah. so eight minutes shorter. Okay. He, and he was playing 26 to 30 
per okay. game over there, depending on you know the competition and and all that stuff. So. I mean, that's the the uh, the cranking up of the minutes for Dennis is one of the reasons I think we might get to this point a little bit later. But I think we're all kind of sleeping on how good he's going to be this year. Yep. Not just in terms of oh my gosh, like that's a different player than I've seen in terms of efficiency, but just watching him through three games. I mean, the second game, the fifteen point quarter, uh, just the spaz out of I'm about to fill this thing up, and then uh, just looking at how well he's working with uh, the guys and realizing DeAndre is not even there and Harrison Barnes isn't even there. I think Dennis Smith is in for a big, big season that we don't see coming because we kind of feel like, okay, it's either Luka's going to be awesome or Dennis is going to be awesome. And I'm like, why can't both happen? Yeah, I think adding Luka kind of helps unleash Dennis. And we've had this conversation a million times, but now we actually have kind of some evidence to go off Mm -hmm. of. But Dennis is not restrained. He's not bound by the responsibility to actually run the offense. He's not trying to keep everybody involved. Mm -hmm. Now, sometimes he has to. But Luca is doing a lot of that stuff for him. So now Dennis is just capitalizing off everybody else's work. He is kind of, he's becoming transitioning from the starting point to the end point. And uh, he's shown that he is a heck of a scorer. So through three preseason games, he's uh, averaging more than 22 points per 36 minutes. And if you average 22 points per 36 minutes, that is very good. Yeah. And uh, he's going to be playing at least like 30 or 32. So that's like right at 20 points mm-hmm. if he can keep that clip up. And obviously this preseason, uh, you know, blah, 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 disclaimer. But, dude, I mean, he's been – it's like been effortless watching yeah. him play. And the thing I think we're looking past is uh, the traditional point guard of distributing the ball, Chris Paul style. I mean, even what James Harden does now, which is dime people up 18 times a game. And if they hit – 10 of those shots, then I've got 10 assists a game. Um, the thing we're looking past with Dennis, I think, is uh, we're focusing on – he's such a dynamic player and he has such such an emotional reaction to most of his plays that I think we we focus too much on, on, the, on the negative in terms of, okay, he's never going to be a 10, 10 assist a game guy. Okay, he's not shooting efficient from three. All that might be true right now at this point in his development, but the thing I focus on is the guy can score the heck out of the basketball. Yep. And what looks like now, if he's knocking down these threes as consistently as he has been and getting that many wide open looks in a pretty efficient way. And, I mean, you talk about looking at, you know, a Monte Ellis type player who just fills it up. Um, you know, a Steve Francis was a guy I comped him to a lot whenever he was coming into the, out of the, the draft, out of NC State. And... That's just a lethal scorer, and there's a role on this team for that type of guy now. Absolutely, and I think that's he can do that. That's that's already in his in his deck of cards. Like that exists inside of him, uh, out of the bag. And if Luke is going to take some of that burden of, okay, let's not try and make you do things that uh, maybe you're not the best at in terms of being a traditional point guard, then I'm all the, all the better. Because Dennis can light it up. Yeah, one thing Carlisle always says is it's not about what you can't do, it's about what you can do. And what can Dennis do? He can get buckets. Mm -hmm. He can beat people off the dribble. He can run a little bit of pick and roll. He can run the floor. So why not let him do that all of the time? Yeah. It's like, why are you going to put J.J. Barea in the corner? 
Mm-hmm. You're not. You're gonna you're gonna send him to the top of the arc. You're gonna have him run pick and roll with Dirk. Yeah. So anytime, by the way, it's a nice bonus for us getting to watch this team. Anytime both Luca and Dennis are off the floor, it probably means that Dirk is on the floor. Yep. So uh, there's always going to be somebody worth watching out there. Yeah. No, it's a very deep lineup, and I think that's one of the things that separates them from a lot of the Western teams that are going to be hovering around six through ten to twelve. Is the Mavs have a complete bench like? They can play you a a multitude of ways on both units with the starting five and with the bench. I mean, the only thing I would say that they lack in terms of if I could construct this roster, um, you know, just from scratch and money and availability and where the player wanted to play didn't have anything to do with it. I'd I'd prefer uh, a wing wing off the bench, one more guy. But that's why you stagger those minutes, and that's why why Rick gets paid is to overcome maybe – some of that wing depth and maybe Finney Smith, maybe Brokov is that guy, you know, it's very possible, but yeah, they can play so many different ways in a, in a, in a fashion that a lot of the Western teams just don't have. And it's not their fault. They have big contracts and stuff like that, where you have to cut off somewhere Yeah, like Houston. It's I hard mean, to go 10 deep. Sometimes yeah. it's hard to go eight deep. Oh yeah, for sure. And th- I mean, the tough decisions like Houston had to make, you know, um, it's just it's just real life in the NBA where there's a there's a cap on how much you can spend and what kind of players you can have. So no one's gonna have a perfect roster, and you just figure out what's perfect to you. Yeah, man, that's the beauty of having two players on rookie skill contracts, because you can give 30 minutes a game to guys who are going to more than outperform mm-hmm. their value. Uh, okay, so we're talking about deep bench and how that makes them a good team. Well, you've got to be able to score in a variety of ways too. You can't just field a variety of lineups. You got to be able to score in multiple ways past few years the Mavs have scored very well in the half court but there's a whole transition game that has kind of been missing from the Mm -hmm. team and and we thought well getting Dennis last year was a a step in the right direction because he himself can be kind of a one-man fast break then they go out and they get Luka who you know you're not going to whenever whenever you think of like open court terrors you're not going to think of Luka Doncic because he's not LeBron you know he's not going to go coast to coast and throw down on a center um He's not going to be throwing down alley-oop windmill dunks. You know, he's not going to run the fastest 40 at the NFL Combine for NBA players that everybody thinks they have. It's weird that he's performing at the NFL Combine, but I'm going to let it slide. Yeah. Uh, Just loves Indianapolis. He does. He goes there. He goes there often. <laughs> uh, so, transition offense. Last mm-hmm. year, Mavs didn't do it very much. Just 10.8% of their possessions last season came in transition so one out of every 10 pretty much one out of every 10 possessions last season if yeah mavericks offense was transition open floor and and a possession a possession ends with a shot a turnover or a foul Mm -hmm. so if you sprint the ball down the floor but you don't shoot it and then you you know dribble it out and run a pick and roll that's not a transition possession it's got to end quickly Right. So what they were like ninety five to ninety eight possessions a game last year. Yeah. So NBA actually updated their. Uh, we were having Pace. a conversation the other day with Coop actually about uh-huh. uh, about possessions being an estimate, but mm-hmm. now NBA is using true possessions. Oh, so, nice. Yeah. Last season the Mavs were uh, ninety seven. I believe the updated number is ninety seven point five, wow. which was like twenty seventh in the league. So very very yeah. slow. It's and a lot of that's obviously getting defensive stops, creating turnovers, getting the board to actually make a transition. Limiting your opponent to one shot. Yeah, you know, exactly. A, a lot of those things. Um, 
so uh, yeah, transition offense obviously helps. Teams that have more transition uh, tr- transition possessions mm-hmm. play at a faster pace because their possessions end sooner. Yep. And we've we've talked on this podcast before about early offense, the difference between early offense and transition. That was from mm-hmm. uh, I don't know six or eight episodes ago. Go back and listen to that if you haven't yet. Yep. Um, but the Mavericks, this is strictly transition offense now. So they were 29th in the league in volume last season. Preseason so far, it's only three games. Uh, only two of them against NBA teams, and those games were both in China. So they were dealing with jet lag and all sorts of other stuff. But generally, we've gotten a pretty good idea of the way they're trying to play this year. In the preseason so far, that number is 16.9%. Wow. So 16.9% of their possessions have come in transition. It's almost another seven possessions. Pretty much, yeah. Um, I mean, if, if you're, you're going if you on 97, yeah. if you're going on 97 and a half a game. Yeah. So that's seven possessions where you're getting like a either usually a three or a mm-hmm. dunk or a layup, as opposed to trying to run offense, having seven seconds to shoot and not knowing what you're going to do. Mm-hmm. Uh, the less you have to improvise, the better, generally. It's just let's make the easy play, and often the easy play is I'm going to run down the floor faster than my opponent. So that number, 16.9%, that would have ranked eighth by volume last season, which is top ten, which is good, because of the top nine teams – by volume, so that is by total percentage of possessions that are transition. Five of those top nine teams rank top ten in the NBA in offensive efficiency. And if you're good in transition, that's even better. So of the top nine in transition points per possession, six of them were top ten offenses, and all of them were top half. So basically, if you run a lot or if you're really good when you do run, you're going to be a really, really good offense. And if you are if you do both, if you run a lot and you're very good, then you're going to the playoffs. Yeah. Yeah, It's uh, it was interesting to look up some of the fast break numbers. Uh, last time we did Ceiling is the Roof, whenever we were talking about could the Mavs be, you know, top 15, top 12, top 10 fast break team. And just seeing how Golden State skews the data because they fast break to create threes. Yep. Nobody else does. I mean, once you get out there and you're running, just think about it. I mean, maybe you're doing a pickup game where you're like, I don't really feel like diving at the basket and maybe twisting my ankle. I'm just going to kick it out and someone's going to shoot it because we're playing nice. But in the NBA, you don't play nice. No. When, you, when you push the ball, you're hoping for someone to fill the lane, and you're either going to run through someone's head or someone else's. Um, so the Golden State style kind of skews everything. So almost even like take them out of that in terms of um, percentages they run is important to me, but, like, their point total is just just silly. I think they were doing, like, 19 points a game in fast break. Which is, I mean, they're, like, three and four points more than yeah, it's other teams in the top ten. I mean, ridiculous. they're, like, miles ahead of everybody. It's ridiculous. And I don't expect us to be that, but one of the things I said <laughs> before we even got Luca, basically whenever I started watching Luca, um, probably in January or February, whenever he started becoming like an internet sensation um, and even probably before then was I didn't think it was going to happen this quick, but my idea was whoever gets him, whatever team, it doesn't matter if you already have a power forward that plays a lot of minutes. It doesn't matter if you have a big ball handler, like if Philadelphia got him for some reason, like that'd be tricky because Ben Simmons is already there and Ben Simmons already does a lot of this, but you engage the Ben Simmons, the LeBron James protocol, where he's the big ball handler, and you try and stop this freight train. 
and it's on him to get athletic enough, which I think he he's already fine. Like I mean, he's he'd be fine at it right now, but just dynamic transition athlete for that size. And what I mean by the LeBron protocol is a dude that big taking care of the basketball uh, in transition on such a regular basis that it's not a question who's running this break. It's him and he's going. And you know what? You know what this ball is going to end up? It's going to end up in the hoop because I'm going right at it. And, and there's nothing you can do against a 6'8", dude. And it is astonishing to watch LeBron in transition in person yeah. because you can it, you can sense the fear mm-hmm. and just the, the awe yeah. in the opponent yeah. watching him come down the floor because there is – there's no way to stop LeBron. We saw Ben Simmons do that in, in those two China games. Mm-hmm. When someone that big and that fast and just that continent is coming right at you, there's yeah. no way to stop him unless you foul him. I mean, well, that's, you have to reach. It's just a head of steam in general. It's just a guy getting two full steps on you. Yeah, that's, that's physics, man. Yeah, it just, uh, you can't do anything against that. You cannot plant. You cannot turn, swing your hips, plant your left or right foot, and get up to the speed that they are, especially if they make any kind of contact with you. That is knocking you off your path. And it's LeBron, it's Ben Simmons. I mean, there's a couple Giannis. guys. Giannis, for sure. Giannis is just, I mean, that's a freak of nature, like just taking up the space he can. But there's dudes that are just like six, seven, six, eight that can do it. Like Anthony Davis in the open court's kind of the same way. It's just, you hear, it's, a, it's like almost a, a sound. Like I always equate uh, anytime something weird happens and you can just, you have that spider sense. And you're like, oh my God. It's like this like shark attack sound where everything's like quiet for an instance because you don't know what's happening. Like that kind of dude running a break is that sensation of I oh my god I can't do anything about it. <laughs> yeah, they've won before the play's over. Yeah, and there are a couple plays. I'm glad you brought up Luke actually because that was where I was going next. There are a couple plays in the second China game in particular that kind of illustrate what having him just simply having him on the floor on your roster can do for everybody else. So the first one, there's 11 minutes left in the second quarter, so this is still pretty early in the game. Wesley Matthews gets a rebound or a steal. I forget how it happened, but anyway, Wes has the ball, and at right at midcourt, he wisely kind of bounces it over to Luca, who's racing it up the right wing of the floor. Now, Luca at this time, is playing three or four, whatever you want to call it. It doesn't really matter because defense or your position is all about who you're guarding, mm-hmm. right? And at the time, Luca was guarding Mike Muscala who is the Sixers' power forward. And he's more of a – he's not a traditional power forward. He's a stretch forward, which is in today's terms is traditional. So he's your general like 6'10", 6'11", big guy. Dorian Finney-Smith is on the floor for the Mavs, and he was guarding Robert Covington, who is more of a traditional small forward. Well, if you're the Sixers, you want Robert Covington guarding Luka. You want Mike Muscala guarding Finney-Smith. The problem is – The Mavericks brought the ball up the floor so fast. There's 21 seconds on the clock, and Luka all of a sudden has the ball at the three-point line. Mike Muscala is trying to get over to Finney Smith, who's already in the corner, and he's looking. You can see a moment on the tape where he's looking like, I don't know what I'm supposed to do right (laughs) now. He's in the paint, and Luka's at the three-point line. Uh But Covington's in the opposite corner because Finney Smith filled that wing. So Muscala looks, and you're kind of like, man, you know, freeze frame. You know, I bet you're wondering how I got here. You know, <laughs> right. wait till I tell you. So he runs out to Luca, and of course, you know, Muscala is a power forward. He's not quick enough to stay in front of Luca. So Luca burns him really easily, drives it in the paint. Joel Embiid sinks down to help, and Luca hands it off to Dwight Powell, who then gets fouled. Mm-hmm. So that is that's two free throws, two points. 
and it was created just literally by getting the ball up the floor fast because yeah. there was no time to cross match. Mm-hmm. And if the Mavericks are going to do that every single time, then they're going to get a lot of transition opportunities out of it. And they did four minutes later. The same exact thing happened. Luca's bringing the ball up the right side. This time Mike Muscala figures, all right, I've got to stop him. There's seven minutes left in the second quarter. So Muscala goes out and meets Luca at the three-point line. Well, the only thing is Luca's really good at dribbling the ball. So he goes behind the back, goes from right to left, dribbles right into the heart of the defense, lays it up with his left hand reverse, beats him beat to the rim and scores. That was a really nice highlight. But those two plays, four minutes apart, kind of show you what kind of pressure he puts the, on the defense just by having the ball in his hands. Mm-hmm. Because if you're not going to be able to cross match in transition to get your preferred wing defender on Luka before Finney Smith gets to the opposite corner and takes him out of the play, you're going to give up a lot of points, either to Luca or to Dennis. I mean, we didn't even talk about Dennis and him going kind of between the legs to himself and then giving it off to Dwight Powell. Mm-hmm. Like, they're getting the ball so f- up the floor so fast that it is just forcing defenses to do things they don't want to do. And when you can do that three seconds into the shot clock, you've already won the possession. Yeah. It's like getting it to LeBron. It's like getting it to Giannis because no matter what happens, you're confident enough in Luca and, and Dennis by extension to make the right decision and to win that one-on-one battle every single time, which he did in China. And uh, it just leads to a lot of easy points. Getting the ball that deep, that early, is already a win. Even if you don't make the shot, even if you kick it out uh, to the top of the key and the guy misses the shot, it's already a win. Um, And it's not something that everybody can do. Uh, And you might watch different uh, possessions and go, okay, why is you know, fill in the blank. Uh, why'd Steph Curry just get matched up on LeBron? It's because he brought the ball up the court so quick. Yep. And Steph Curry was the best, the, in the best position to defend that guy. And yeah, it probably created a weird situation for the defense where it got compromised real quick. But that's what you're trying to do whenever you bring the ball up quick. You're trying to get it deep. You're trying to make one pass shot so the team doesn't have a chance to scramble defensively and recover and and the Beijing Ducks game was kind of the example of that on, on steroids for Luca because he would bring the ball up and he would kind of do whatever he wanted to, and he'd knife into the lane. And a couple times he found Maxi. Uh, a couple times he would just swing it out to open shooters. He scored himself. His, his scored first himself. Basket. The first one. Yeah, the right-handed uh, little – I don't know. We need a name for that, by the way. Wherever you shoot wrong-handed just because it's the best angle. Because um, that's a left-handed layup. That's He's got that left-handed layup in his bag. It's like a YMCA layup because I'm too afraid to take a left-handed layup in a game. <laughs> yeah, I used to do that in layup line. I used to do that, that exact layup, and the coach would get so mad at me. It's like, left-handed, I'm like, I'm not making it left-handed. If I miss the left-handed layup, we all have to run. Yes. I'm shooting it right-handed. Exactly. I'm, doing, I'm going up and under right. and It's it's pretty smart because, I don't know, I'd rather turn my back to you and seal you off and do a layup, even if it's wrong-handed. Uh, then give up my chest and do left-handed because then you can get into somebody and, you know, uh, if you hit somebody in the back, I don't know. It's kind of still easier kind of finish. But uh, anyway, I digress. You got, I got lost somewhere in there. But uh, I, that's in his bag. Like, that's the coolest thing I've seen from him that uh, I don't think anybody can take away. Like, you, can, you can't scheme that. How, how, how do you scheme that? Do you, you press him at half court? You can't. I mean, the thing is you don't want to because your power forward 29 out of 30 times is going to mm-hmm. be slower than him. Yeah. So you want to limit the space that you give him. But he's 
Another problem is he's demonstrated that he's willing to step into 30-foot threes and knock him down, so you can't back off too far. He's a good shooter, man. Like, I know Rick talked about it. I know you've seen it in EuroLeague. Um, so, many, so many of his shots in EuroLeague, though, were like step-back threes because everyone just kind of stands around and was in shock of this 19-year-old kid that's, you know, crossing people over, and he would just do a step-back and try and do a James Harden thing. When he's on catch-and-shoot, I mean, I'd love to know the percentages thus far. I know you hit too early uh, in Monday's game. Um, the Beijing Ducks game, you hit two uh, from the right wing. I mean, he's a knockdown shooter when it comes to catch and shoot. And people might be worried about the slow release thing. I'm really not because he's so tall. And I don't know. I When he needs to shoot fast, I don't feel like he's ever going to – people worry about the slow, re- slow release because they think you're going to get – either take a bad shot and have a bad look at a shot or you're going to get blocked. I don't think either is possible with him. No. Because if a guy closes out too fast where he's going to affect your shot, you just dribble around him. Like, he's that level of ball handler. He's not your traditional, like, spot-up, catch-and-shoot, three-point shooter. Um, I do find it interesting whenever you were talking about what position – the four, playing the four. Um, I find it interesting that we, we label position by who you're defending – but we label archetype by what you do offensively. Yep. Stretch four, three and D wing. Like you, it's so weird how we we need to we all we all need to get on the same page because there's too many labels being thrown around. Well, uh, the Celtics, the the new age Celtics, just say you're either a ball handler or a wing or yeah. a big. Yeah. And but that's even that's not really fair because what what is what is Ryan Anderson? Yeah, he's not going. To, uh, he's not anywhere near the basket nope. anytime, and he's not guarding Anthony Davis. So is he a big or is he a wing? Well, he's a wing, but so is Robert Covington, and those guys yeah. are on different planets athletically. Yeah. You know, I think we need to probably adopt more of what uh, the verbiage that soccer uses, like you're a forward, a little more specific. You're, you're a goalie, or you like you're a striker almost. But even then, they have like they have a center forward, they have a holding forward, they yeah, have. I don't go that more specific. Of like, they have I don't, a winger. I didn't know that. See, oh, see. <laughs> I don't know soccer. You got to listen to our soccer podcast. <laughs> yeah. We'll we'll get you we'll, we'll get you up to speed on that. Uh, yeah. So that's that's some transition offense. Now, with the difference between transition and early offense, the transition is basically off a, a turnover or a miss. And the Mavericks for years. I mean, this is not unusual. Every single team is better, but the Mavericks for years have been like astronomically better offensively off a miss for a turnover than a make. I mean, off a made basket last season, I don't. I, I I would need to go to NBA Wowie and look those numbers up. I should have. That's a great site, by the way, NBA Wowie. It's with or without you, W-O-W-Y. It's just a good lineup website. Um, their numbers, like off a, off a made basket, their team effective field goal percentage, effective field goal percentage, the pasta is starting to take its effect <laughs> on it, was well below 50. Seeping through your veins. Yeah, was well below 50, but off a miss, it was like – near the Warriors level. I mean, they're, like, mm. incredible. And I think that's only going to be exacerbated this year whenever you have Luka, who poses so many problems to opposing big men that he's going to be guarding. I mean, imagine, like, is Zach Randolph still on the Kings? Yeah. Okay, so imagine if Randolph is out there guarding Luka. Or, <laughs> well, Luka's guarding Randolph, and then Randolph has to slow him down in transition. I mean, this is not happening. Yeah. You know, it's not happening. So just his presence alone is going to do some things. And obviously – you throw in Dennis too. I mean, and, and Finney Smith, the thing that excited me about him, I mean, he did a lot of cool stuff, but he was willing to run the floor. He ran the floor hard every time, whether he was filling the wing, 
which is important because, like I said, if you're in if you're in the corner, if you're in the weak side corner, your defender is out of the play. I mean, your defender's not going anywhere. And uh, he was also running the floor. He was on the receiving end of that Luke and no-look bounce pass that the English almost took it out of his reach, but yeah. Finney Smith was able to corral it in and lay it in uh, with the goaltending. But, yeah, Finney Smith kind of – he uh, he made a case for himself in China as well. Uh, he had some pretty good games. So did Maxi Kleba too. So give give Maxi Kleba some love. Maxi's uh, been playing really well, and he's uh, been pretty aggressive defensively, and he's kind of had to look silly a couple times. Uh, one was on the uh, – when Ben Simmons just plowed through him, through him, because he, I don't know if he thought Simmons was going for the up and under, um, but I, I have no problem with that. And then uh, the when MBE tried to posterize Luca, it was because Maxi, Embiid faced up, pump faked, tried to go like back under, and Maxi jumped so high and so far it took him out of the play, and he went <laughs> he went tumbling like uh, way out of nowhere, um, and then. Embiid tried to put Luke on a poster and missed the dunk and fell on his butt. It was like a funny moment. Yeah. Uh, but <laughs> Maxi's Maxi's a really good player, man. I think uh, he's carved out a nice role and just making something out of nothing from that guy is that's that's a winning player. Like um, we didn't give up anything for Maxi. Nothing. He's on a low contract. Great he's on the minimum. Guy. I mean, he he. It is illegal to pay him less than what he's making. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he is on the minimum contract. Just and he's like this far away from having the unicorn uh, capabilities. Yeah. I mean, his block numbers are insane. His three point shooting has been. It's on the I mean, he, it was it was you know a little up and down last year. Let's not mm-hmm. kid ourselves. At the beginning of the year, he was in the twenties, but then there was a a good I want to say two or three month stretch where he was shooting like mid to high thirties. Yeah, and if you're mid 30s and blocking shots that's pretty freaking special yeah i mean you look at guys who just you know i'm sure the organization looks at this uh whenever they're putting together what they want the team to look like you know a year from now two years from now three five years down the road um guys that can outperform the contract they're on i don't think anybody's a better example of that this season than maxi I mean that's a that's a winning contract and a winning player uh, for what he can give you for, you know what I mean he doesn't I mean there are games that aren't maxi games the rosters don't match and then there's games where he's gonna play 25 minutes mm. and they need him off the bench to match uh, to match uh, the other team's bench unit and he has no problem with it like just use me wherever I need to be used he's gonna be a plus player. That guy's so valuable. Like, he's just a good dude too. Yeah, you know, he went to the zoo twice <laughs> yeah, in like two zoo. weeks. He just w- he just loves hanging out with animals. He's just a cool guy. Loves the zoo. Yeah, just a cool guy. Okay, Mike, let's. Uh, Bobby, we could not stop at twenty questions, so I got three more for you. Cannot wait. Okay, well, it's good that you can't because you don't have to wait much longer. You just a few seconds. Well, hurry up already. Okay, so I got three questions for you. Uh, I have not r- shown these questions to Mike. No, uh, I have not even told them what told him what they would even be about. So he's he has done the weird thing every time I've tried to talk to him at his desk, where he covers it like he's doing a scantron test. Yeah, and I told him I'd yell, "Go away!" Yeah, yeah, no, ch- no cheating. Yeah, uh, I made someone take up his cell phone. Mm-hmm. I don't know where my phone is. That's yeah, the weird part. Yeah, of all just this. Uh, after afterward, we'll I'll, I'll yeah, let you know. It's probably it's better. Yeah. Just keep it. <laughs> uh, okay, so first question. Okay. Who, this is totals, not per game. Who 
will make the most free throws on the team this season? Oh, man. I got to pull up some basketball the reference. Totals, yeah. I, I should have done that, too. I didn't you even should think have about that. Jerk. Um, let's see from last year. I bet you it was Harrison last season. It's got to be Barnes, right, from last year? Last year, the most free throws made on the team was Harrison Barnes at 259. Dennis Smith was at so 134. Dwight Powell, third at 133. I'll be darned. That's good for you. That would be an upset. So, pick. yeah, Barnes at four a game, Dennis at 2.8, Devin at 2.5. Motley sneaks in there if we're doing per games, but we're looking for totals. So yeah, We're looking for totals here. Um, so the question is, Barnes made 3.4. So Are you looking for made? Uh yeah yeah total free made throws made free not throws. not attempted free throws made wow I mean I suppose free throws attempted is kind of the same idea too because you're not how many yeah now that I looked up the last year's totals then you got to you got to factor uh, in DeAndre there's another guy there's yeah. another guy that's he takes a whole on lot the of roster yeah I'm wondering how many he takes so let me look that up right now on the face uh so many of these questions can be answered with. Harrison Barnes is actually a really great player, so it's kind of <laughs> obvious. Um, but we're all trying to look for, like, I don't know. We're you not, you we're not appreciating how good Harrison Barnes is at this point in moments in uh, Mavs history, which is, which is fine because I think we'll all be reminded. Um, let's see, DeAndre made 2.4 out of 4.1 last year, which was down about a free throw a game. year before that, he made – they just stopped – well, I think they probably stopped using him in situations in which he should be fouled because he had they, a they, year when he shot – Eight free throws a game. They changed the hacking rules too, yeah. and that, that had something to do with changed it. Changed the hacking rules. Probably took him out of situations where he would be a detriment uh, if he did get hacked. Um, but to answer your question, I mean, Luca. Wow. He does draw a lot of fouls. I mean, he draws a lot of fouls. He knows how to get in the lane and really agitate people. Um, and then. And then convince the referee that I was shooting, actually, sir. <laughs> Why didn't you see it this way? Um, but being a rookie, I don't know how many. They might make him earn that one. Yeah. But I think Barnes is probably the obvious, unless you have a really good answer. I mean, I don't have a really good answer, but I do have a this is unjust and needs to change stat. Dennis's. Yeah. So last yeah. year, Dennis Smith had 12.7 drives per game, which mm -hmm. is like – an astronomically high number. I mean, that is – let me see. Oh, I can just re-rank re my Excel spreadsheet real quick and show yeah, you. Click the other column at the top. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Where you, all right, so drives, largest to smallest. Dennis, 12.7. That ranked 11th in the NBA last season. 11th wow. in the NBA. Wow. Last and that's season. a basketball league. That's Yeah, that is a basketball league. So, uh, assuming that he stays – he might drop off a little bit because he'll have the ball in his hands a little less. But – Last year, he averaged 1.0 free throw attempts per game off drives, and he drove mm. 12 times. Now, if you, if you just assume for a moment, let's just say that your average trip to the free throw line is, I don't know, two, because you're not getting a lot of end ones if you're a little guard around the basket. That means that last year, he needed to drive to the basket 25 times <laughs> to get one trip to the free throw line. That's a joke. He, he drew – so one free throw for every 12.7 drives was a similar rate to J.J., <laughs> Goran Dragic, Tony Parker, and Chris Paul. These are guys that are going to the basket 
to either pass or intentionally going out of their way to not get fouled. Like, J.J. has no interest in drawing contact. He has modeled his entire game so that he does not have to <laughs> to get beat because if he does, his career won't last, you know, because yep. he's a tiny guy. Tony he's Parker, same way. It. Chris Paul, same way. So, guys that had a higher free throw rate going to the basket, Tobias Harris, <laughs> uh, Karis Levert, Chris Dunn, and then obviously some obvious choices. I mean, your leaders are like DeMarcus Cousins, James Harden, uh, 3.8 free throw attempts, and he only drove 17.1 times per game. So, that that is like his free throw rate was triple Dennis's. Do you – I mean, on-court on court product, do you want him attempting to draw more fouls? Or do you want him being craftier with the basketball? Well, I appreciate players who – Monte did this. Monte would, like, purposely not get fouled because it was almost like he was, like, trying to prove a point, you yeah. know? I appreciate guys that want to finish the play. Pick up, it's that pickup style. Yeah, is what but, it I is. mean, if you're getting just hacked mercilessly and getting, like, sent on your butt – like you deserve you deserve a couple of foul calls, mm-hmm. and there were you know there were a lot of instances last season. I know it was a frustrating year for a lot of people because there were a lot of losses. But I mean, my gosh, it's like middle of February, and Dennis has been just like just destroyed at the rim three times, and he's not getting a single whistle. And you're like, come on, give give the guy a break. Yeah, he is. I, I, the one thing that uh, doesn't help him in that uh, attempt to get at the free throw line is he's a he's a he's a traditional jumper. And that he loads up, he jumps, not necessarily a quick jumper, um, so he doesn't get you. He doesn't get your weight off balance. He'll jump over you. Like if you go and try and challenge him, like he's gonna put you on a poster a lot of the time. But I don't even think he like wants to do that necessarily. I don't feel like he wants to have a midair collision and land weird. Um, and it's probably smart. Yeah. I mean that's how you, you know, miss twenty five games your rookie season. Um, is just trying to <laughs> jump through someone's face. Um, so it's probably smart on his end, but I just don't know if that's part of his game. And I think what I've seen thus far in these three games this year, whenever we're looking at you know Dennis version 2.0, is he gets to the basket and his momentum's going and his legs are churning and he's kind of figuring out a way to get the ball off cleanly and not get blocked because that's – basically a turnover right i mean in most instances yeah i mean if you end the possession your point guard is at the rim you're giving up a layup the other way yeah it happens happens a lot so he knows how uh crucial that moment can be from when i put two feet on the ground and try and launch to the basket and i feel like he's tried a lot more scoops a lot more let the rim protect me the two china games maybe the might have been the third one he went up and he was he kind of felt it out. He jumped. He wasn't sure what he's going to do quite yet. Tried to get the layup and just last second, just spit it back out of the three point line. And I don't know if that's a great idea. That's probably something a coach would say. Don't do is don't jump without a plan or don't jump to pass. Um, but I just don't know if that's in his game. I hope it is. And I hope he just gets automatic respect. Uh, whenever a big guy tries to put a body on him and he's going at the rack, I just, he jumps so uh, – it's, like it's like a natural thing. It's not a herky-jerky motion. He doesn't jump off one foot hardly ever. Um, he doesn't – he's not a quick jumper. Yeah, and generally referees will reward you for making your defender look stupid. Yeah, yeah. And, I mean, there's, no, there's nothing wrong with, obviously, his game. I think he's a spectacular player, and that's not going to limit him. 
It's just when he runs to the basket, he loads up on two feet and he goes at it and he doesn't get you off balance. He's just never had to be that crafty with it. You know what I mean? Yep. Because he's been able to jump higher than everyone. Yeah. Now I'm with you. I think that I think that Barnes will. I think he's your favorite to lead the team in total free throws made. But if Dennis is not 40th out of 45 uh, in free throw rate among the top 45 guys in drives per game, mm-hmm. if he's like 22nd, yeah, then he might be able to enter that party because that's an extra you know 50 or 60 free throws plus on top of other stuff too so i think it'll naturally so we'll naturally kind of progress i mean if he just gets respect um and i feel like defenses are going to be a little bit more compromised yep whenever he's whenever he does make the decision to uh drive at the basket i don't feel like it's going to be out of uh necessity in terms of this possession is broken down and the best look we're gonna have is me running full speed at the basket i feel like it's gonna be okay we've ran a pick and roll and uh someone closed out super hard and now there's a lane and i don't i don't think that big man can can beat me back to the basket yep i think that's more of the formula this year well there you go also making 70 percent of his free throws he shot 69.4 last season. Mm-hmm. If he ups that number to like 75, 76, that'll yeah. help a lot too. But let's, get to, uh, let's get to let's get to knocking those down. Yeah, um, that'd be. And he does. He does. He has a. He does have a shooting motion that I don't know if I would teach to my kid, but it works for him. Hey, Sean Marion. Yeah, he, no, Sean Marion's going in, to the Hall of Fame soon too. If it goes in, that's that's totally fine. He does get a lot a lot of palm on the ball, and I don't know if that's. I feel like whenever they were trying to correct like Dwight Howard and Shaq and all the guys that had such bad free throw problems before they changed the rules, maybe in DeAndre too, they were always keep it on your fingertips. Keep it on those, your fingertips. Those guys have such enormous hands. I think that that was yeah. a big reason why Dennis' hands are pretty small. So yeah. I wonder if, I mean, more palm might be better for him, but I don't know. Yeah, I mean, it I obviously has worked from three. I think he's... And I mean, 70% of the free throw line is not bad. Let's, it's not let's bad, but for a guard, for most point guards shoot better than that. Yeah, mid-80s, you know? something like yeah. that. Yeah, which is really dang hard, man. We really take for granted how good NBA players are. Just generally. <laughs> yeah. Like, this guy shoots 88%. Oh, yeah, that's average. Yeah. Like, just whatever. Watch us trying to shoot to pick teams yeah. sometimes. <laughs> yeah, it's awful. Yeah, and you might want to like, put a podcast on while, while we're shooting. Yeah. Uh, okay, next one. Uh, the, these last two are pretty quick. Um, Harrison Barnes over under 2.0 assists per game this season. He was at he was right at 2.0 last year. The year before he was 1.5. That's interesting because I don't feel like that's in his uh, his flight plan. I don't feel like that's what they're going to ask of him this year. But also, I do think he and DeAndre are going to have maybe one one time a game. People aren't going to expect it, and there's just four or five pick and roll that just happened or whatever you want to call uh harrison three four wing guy that plays off the elbow it doesn't matter uh barnes deandre jordan pick and roll is going to happen out of nowhere and it's going to catch teams off balance so there's probably one a game that's just easy and then you know assists are probably the stat in basketball that has so the least to do with your natural influence of a possession so i would go north of two i might say two and a half but it's not that far north he was at two and a half in march and it seemed like march of uh the 2018 2017 2018 season so march 2018 was Mm -hmm. 
kind of the time whenever not only was he getting plenty of minutes, but also they were really kind of letting him do sort of whatever he wanted, yeah. playing through him a lot. Mm-hmm. Uh, over two is going to be tough, I think, just because like Dennis and Luca and JJ are going to combine for so many assists, and sure. unless you're getting thirty assists, it's hard for everybody to eat. But there's be more possessions too. Yeah, I feel. more possessions, more transition, more uh, space, less ISO, more rolling, less ISO, and whenever you drive, you're gonna hopefully going to have some cutters moving around too. So I wouldn't be surprised if he goes over, uh, but I don't necessarily expect him to handle the ball maybe as much as we thought he would six months ago yeah his dribbles per game might be drastically down yeah, this and year. hey that's good for everybody that's it is that's good for barnes too it is truthfully i mean we probably need to do it some maybe it's this next week or before uh opening night or something like that the week of um like things that aren't going to be better this season and for is it a good or bad thing you know what i mean like barnes's points i don't think barnes is going to score probably will be worse yeah probably probably number might be down but that's probably a good thing overall yeah will his possibly field goal three-point efg and true shooting all be up Mm -hmm. very possible right in fact i would say most of that is likely yeah because i feel like most of these i this is going to be a better team uh the win totals are going to be up the possessions per game are going to be up offensive rating is going to be up uh rebounding is going to be way up so an overall just shot in the arm uh leads most of my answers to be the positive side and there's no reason not to be positive about this team right now but there are some numbers that are going to be uh down or fewer or they're going to look a little weird um maybe halfway through the season um but they're not if you watch the games they're not a talking point yeah Hey, I mean, 19 points at league average efficiency is good, mm-hmm. but 17 points at above average efficiency, that's better. Probably. Yep. Probably. Yep. Now, we'll see. Uh, okay, last one. What's going to be more? Luca to Dennis alley-oops <laughs> or Luca and Dennis combined triple-doubles? Last season, Dennis had one triple-double. He threw down, I don't know, I want to say probably four or five alley-oops. Mm-hmm. Uh, all of them came from Wes. One of them came, oh, from, wow. him, one of them came from himself <laughs> oh, yeah. on the fast break, but yeah. the rest came from Wes on that dive-cut play uh-huh. um, where he kind of handed off and then dove. Um, he had one triple-double, and I believe he flirted. He had a 22-8-8 game, and then I think he came close another time as well. Yeah, I remember that one. And then Luca obviously, is, you know, he's – yeah, he's flirting with. Yeah, he's he's well-rounded it's, it's stat a trick, guy it's too. A trick to keep him off of ten, ten, and ten a night. Like you kind of decide which ones you want to keep him off. Yeah. Um, do you think Luca gets a triple double this year? I don't know. I, de- put your I money definitely on yes think. Or no? I bet you Dennis gets at least one. Uh-huh. Uh, Dennis will get one. I don't know, man. I I feel like. I keep whenever I think of Luca's game, I keep thinking of like thirty-seven-year-old Jason Kidd, and I really got to <laughs> stop doing that because he's yeah. got a lot more pep in his step. But uh-huh. Kidd sometimes would have like thirteen assists, eleven rebounds, and two points. Yeah, and I feel like Luca won't ever have a game like that because I feel like he's always going to have at least nine or ten points just because of threes. Mm-hmm. So I think that I would I would guess between the two of them, let's be wild and say they'll have. I'll say three. Oh, I was going to say five. 
Ooh, five. Okay, maybe saying. maybe three is not wild. Maybe three is wildly conservative. I think five because I think I think Dennis is. If I did take, I'd put. Uh, the rebounds are gonna be tough for Dennis because DeAndre is there to just kind of steal the spotlight. A I little guess, bit. but I feel like Dennis is gonna just scoop up some boards because a lot of teams uh, they're rebounding their scheme, their game plan, uh, the playbook for rebounding is just literally throw two butts at DeAndre and try and get him out of the paint, and then the ball just hits the ground. Like that's the trick we used to do, and uh, you know you box somebody out really well, or your team's like rebounding really well. Uh, defensively, whenever the ball actually hits the ground on a board, because you're just rooting people out of the paint so far. Can you imagine if one rebound hit the ground in an NBA game? The it'd coaches so would weird. be so mad. It'd be they so be weird. So mad. It'd be it'd be the weirdest thing. Um, so, do you think that Luca will connect with Dennis more than five times? Mm. For an alley oop. I mean, I'm talking alley oop. So this is not like pass on the fast break and he takes a steps and go. I mean, like he throws it up and Dennis throws it down. Dang, that's close. I'm going to take the alley-oops. Okay. Just because they're not a cumulative thing. It's a freak occurrence. Luca's bringing the ball up. Everyone forgets where Dennis is. or They run a play, the first play of the game. He does that Roberson baseline cut that yeah. Westbrook always does. Yeah, I mean, if think of what Devin and Berea do and just kind of reverse it. Just run, run a lot of that. Um, I'd probably do, I'd do alley-oops. Okay. I do alley-oops. I think I'll do the alley-oops, from too. Luka. I, d- I do think Dennis is going to have a triple-double this year, and I think Luka is going to flirt with it a lot and maybe get one. I don't know how to find this because it's it's actually pretty hard. Uh, but if you give me a second, we can stall here. Okay. Triple-double. Uh-huh. Any. I'm going to find the last time that Mavericks teammates had a triple-double in the same season. Oh, the same season. So I would. You just search triple doubles, probably. And you yeah, narrow yeah. It down by season. Now um, I would bet. I would bet. Mary you and Jason Kidd, right? Ooh, tricks, Dirk tricks and, and Jason Kidd. Kidd. Dirk, Dirk and Dirk and Kidd did it twice. Wow. So the first time in 2008, the second time in 2010. Now Dirk has only had two triple doubles in his entire career. Yeah. Um, Steve. Well, oh, Steve Nash and Antoine Walker did oh it. Oh my goodness, <laughs> that's really weird. That is a who's what who. What a weird night that was. Uh, also, who could forget uh, 1998 when Michael Finley and who also did it? 1998. 1998. Finley. And this is the 1997 98 season. Oh man, I'm gonna can't be Mashburn, can it? Uh, that is incorrect. Uh, Mashburn was already off the team by then. Uh, no, those are the dark years. <laughs> Dude, that was uh, a great year. Um, 98? I'll give or you I, a hint. I don't know, like Rodman? <laughs> it was Sean Bradley. Bradley got 10 assists in a game? Bradley had 22 points, 22 rebounds, and 13 blocks. 13 blocks! Blocks. He got it with blocks. <laughs> oh my, He also had 10 free throws. So that's like a quadruple double, in my opinion. Yeah. Uh, wow. And that's it. That is your only time ever in Mavs history. Those three occurrences, well, four occurrences. Dirk and Kidd, Dirk and Kidd, Nash and Antoine Walker, and then Sean Bradley and Michael Finley. Now, there have been many instances where, like, the same player has gotten them. In fact, mm-hmm. uh, in 1996, Jason Kidd got a triple-double on January 12th and the next night, January 13th. So uh, it can be done. Oh, wow, those are radically different games. So one game he had 33 points, 16 Jeez. and 12. The next night, I think he was a little tired. He had 13 points, 11 and 10. So he kind of scaled it back. But uh, I think so we weird. might be in time for time number five this season. That's so weird. Uh, 
whenever you look back at some of those seasons with all those young dudes that are just like uh, blue chip guys, Jim Jackson, Jamal Mashburn, and Jason Kidd, and how you could like watch the trajectory of their development by the box score. And I remember I looked it up earlier in the season, or uh, like a month ago, Jim Jackson and Jamal Mashburn having 50-point games in the same week. Like, it's how does that happen? It's outrageous. How does that happen? Then Their Jay pace Kidd, was, like, out of control. Yeah, and then Jay Kidd has back-to-back uh, triple-doubles. Like, it's just, yeah, that was a fun time. Yep. I wish, wish that team would have gotten fully developed into, you know, the Western Conference uh, juggernaut that we turned into, but could have been your your Western Conference Finals in 1999. Could have been Duncan versus Mashburn, <laughs> <laughs> but then we wouldn't we wouldn't know the struggle. You wouldn't have Dirk. Either. We wouldn't appreciate it. Yeah, you wouldn't have Dirk. Dirk would be uh, he'd be a Boston Celtic right now or something. He'd be a Buck, which would be really annoying. Uh, Dennis Smith's triple double last year, by the way, in 31 minutes was the second fewest minutes ever needed yeah, by the Mavs to get a triple double. So that's pretty cool. That's a very quick game. Uh, I got a quick rant for you, Mike, and then let's talk about fantasy for one second. So, quick rant. What this grinds my gears? Oh, this grinds my gears. We need to stop turning every Luka Doncic highlight into a referendum on European basketball and the draft. Like, just <laughs> stop doing that. Just stop doing it. If Luka does something cool, say cool. If you're not impressed, don't say, well, let's see him do it against an American player. Well, let's see him do it whenever he's not playing against a, a Chinese team. Well, let's see him do it whenever it's the regular season. It's going to be 2023, and Luka's going to be coming off his third 50-point game in a row, and someone's going to be saying, well, let's see him do it in the finals. Like, <laughs> just stop. Just shut up about it. Just appreciate cool stuff or don't. Either way, just don't make your problem mine. Come on, just, like, enjoy cool things. Uh, related, Luka and Trey Young. Uh-huh. Stop saying stuff. Just stop reminding me that you like Trey Young. I'll stop reminding you that I like Luca. It's okay. I hope both players flourish. That's going to that? be there forever, and that's about to, about seven days away from that being a real problem. Yeah. Just stop. Do- yeah, whenever they play, oh, my God. you It's going to be insane. And I'm happy that they only play each other twice per year because I could not handle well, four Well, if you're times. not ready for the, the ESPN, these guys got oh, traded no. for each other. Uh, fab- just fabricated rivalry, then. It's just, it's just enough. It's just enough. And I, I know that people bring up the, the Dirk uh, for Robert Tractor Trailer, RIP, by the way, trade as whatever. Like, we don't need to do that with this. We mm-hmm. can just let, let, our, let our children grow up and be happy, you know? Let them do cool things. I hope they both – how about this? I hope they both win NBA championships and MVPs. Okay. How about that? I want everybody to be happy, Mike. I want every. I do want every player to like reach their maximum potential because it bums me out whenever guys like just start stagnating because of, and it's usually, you know, reasons that they can't control like role or the team just isn't that good or they get traded to a bad situation or something like that. Something happens in their personal life. Yeah, for sure. And it's just. Uh, I hope Trey Young's awesome. Dude, I hope some of his passes he's made are yeah ridiculous. off the backboard. Yeah, to John Collins. It's amazing. I was like, whoa, okay. Yeah, I mean that's gonna be that's kind of fun. I don't. It's whenever you look at it from like a vicious angle, or I'm right, you're wrong because of this. Example A, uh, and somebody's career who hasn't even played yet a game yet is so dumb. <laughs> it's so dumb. Yeah, it's like we're commenting on this guy's career after one highlight. Yeah. Like, hey, it's he did something cool. You that's can't, awesome. You can't live like that. You can't live like that 
uh, reactionary in the moment. Yeah, you can if you're that online. Uh, just, just some don't people be, are extremely online. Just don't be that online. And don't yeah. be online in real life either. Let's yeah. just... I hope Trey Young is awesome, and I hope Luke is awesome. Right. I'm comfortable with the trade we made. I'm sure Atlanta's they wouldn't have done it if they weren't comfortable with the trade. Yeah. So, I mean, we don't need to prove Atlanta wrong. Like, whatever. Uh, we're happy about it. Time will tell. We'll have plenty of days when we can sit around and go, man, remember when, uh, where you were that draft night whenever they traded for Luka? That was great, man. We didn't even know how great it was, what was ahead of us. How many Western Conference Finals were ahead of us? That title, man, that's crazy. Yeah. You know, that's there's time for that. And you know whenever that is not the time? October 9th, <laughs> 2018. <laughs> well, this is the era of uh, celebrate before you score the touchdown. So Yeah, that's true. Yeah, let's do the flip into the end zone. Yeah, that's true. Uh, okay, a couple more things before we get out of here. One, uh, if you're playing fantasy basketball, I assume your draft is coming up soon. Mm-hmm. Obviously, if you're a Mavs fan, you want to – compile as many Mavericks on your roster as possible. Lucky for you, there are four Mavs in the top 100, which I believe is probably the most they've had in in quite a few years. Uh, The highest-ranked Mav on ESPN's uh, Roto World scoring, which is kind of your standard scoring, is DeAndre Jordan. Mm. After that, it is Harrison Barnes. After that, it's Luka Doncic coming in fourth, which was surprising to me. Dennis, really? The number 93 overall player is Dennis Smith Jr., he ranks behind players like Taj Gibson, Tim Hardaway Jr., and Jabari Parker. Now, I know that uh, fantasy basketball rewards double-doubles. Taj Gibson gets a lot of rebounds. I'm assuming Jabari Parker will score quite a bit, and Tim Hardaway Jr. hits a lot of threes. So, And you, you're rewarded for all of those things in fantasy basketball. Uh, but Dennis feels like, Mike, it feels like he might outperform being ranked 93rd overall what say you well there's no doubt about it for me it's I I played fantasy basketball for a long time and then the league I was in uh I had had a baseball league with the same dudes for like 10 years uh basketball league for probably seven or eight and a football one so I always think of it from like a double doubles and just uh kind of player it's like uh whenever Kobe was doing Kobe thing I was like okay what's 25 points a night plus five assists plus a couple of steals, okay, you're getting a per-game total in your mind. Dennis, I'm going to tell you right now, Dennis Smith Jr. is going to score 20 points a game Woo. Bold. this season. Bold. <laughs> and we're all going to look back and go, man, we were idiots for not seeing this coming. We were really, really dumb. I'm glad Mike said something. Um, cause he's going to score 20 a game. And then you put in five assists, you put in three or four rebounds. Like that's a top. That's probably a top 60 player. Just type those numbers in. See who does that in the league. There ain't many. There are not many. There's not many of those dudes. Um, so I think that's a way undersell. And I feel like that's fantasy prognosticators and people that make magazines and ratings and stuff like that looking at the situation going, well, this is the possessions they had last year. What's copy and paste? That number of possessions, that number of pace over. Oh, Luca's there. So Luca's going to cut into his n- minutes. And that's just the wrong way to think about it right now. It really is. I mean, it just it, – it doesn't compute for me anymore. I've evolved past that. Like, that's not how I think of it. I think there's going to be more possessions. The pace is going to be cranked up, more fast break, easier buckets for Dennis. The ball's going to be flying around more. I think there's room on this team and minutes in this game and possessions and, and a night-to-night basis in which Dennis can score 20 and have five assists, 
four boards or whatever his numbers are, and Luca can score 15 to 17 and have five, six assists and four boards. Both can happen. I know we haven't seen it in a long time here. It's hard to imagine because of how we've treated the roster uh, in terms of, okay, Deshaun Stevenson, you started too. We don't need anything from you. No numbers from you, right? But there are a lot of teams around the league that have that combination of dudes. Um, Portland's probably the most staggering example because they're such lethal scores. But, dude, there's, that's not a ridiculous number. I mean, Denver's probably the same way. Where I think Jamal Murray might score 20 a game. In Minnesota last year with uh, Towns and Butler. Yeah. And Houston, I, I, Paul, and Harden. And now these are like superstars that we're talking yeah. about. But and I'm thinking more backcourt because people always oh, okay. obsess about, you know, you can only have one guy back there. Uh, but it works other places. I mean, there, and there's not this like strain on possessions and minutes that you think there there is especially with two young dudes that are in their second and first year. Everybody's having their best friends. Yeah, no, I mean, if they and if their numbers are good together, like, Luca really, really does not care what happens, uh, how he plays, as long as it's not like an atrocity, as long as they win. Hey, and Dennis is the same way as you'll see once once we're kind of in, you know, in the locker room, the games begin and everything. Mm-hmm. Dennis's mood after a win, even if he had eight points on three of 14 shooting, yeah, you'd think he's on top of the world. He yep. could go out and score 25 and they lose, and he's like, I don't even want to mm-hmm. – please don't talk to me about this anymore. You yeah, know? and that's what's so fun about the future of this team is I think the you got – two of the cornerstones are there. Like whether or not you want to consider Harrison Barnes that third cornerstone, um, we can debate it, but, I mean, he's – you can't – there's not many dudes in the league doing what he's doing. Um, and then if DeAndre's that fourth one, if you know, if you're a couple of years away from acquiring the fourth one, whatever it is, you've got a foundation laid. Um, so, and it's those two dudes that all they care about is winning. Yeah. So draft Mavs in fantasy basketball—that's basically what we're saying yeah. here. And I mean, no, you know, no disrespect to uh, the national folks—they're usually a little behind on everybody because mm-hmm. you know they're—they can only—they can't watch 82 games from every team, so. Whenever you're reading the column on the Mavs January 12th and, you know, they're three games over 500 and everybody's like, oh, my gosh, the Mavs are so much better this year, they're going to be talking about the stuff that we're talking now. Mm-hmm. Hopefully. And there's a couple of national people that have, like, I don't know if they're regional, so they follow the team closer. Uh, but someone on the ringer picked – Our guy, Jonathan Charks. Well, yeah. Kevin O'Connor had some good things to Kevin say about Kevin O'Connor well. said the Mavs are going to be better quicker than you think. Uh, I think SI had a guy – Whenever they're picking breakout players, they pick Dennis Smith Jr. Uh, kind of for the same reasons that I just stated. Um, but there's some people, they're getting some love. They're getting some love, and some people are noticing that the national narrative on a you know 24-win team, that you can take that playbook, you can take all your preconceived notions of last year's team and just go set it on fire and put it in the fireplace and sit next to it. Like There's no worth in it. And get warm. Yeah. Because it is cold. It's, it's awfully wet outside. Uh, one quick piece of housekeeping before we get out of here. Obviously, listen to all our podcasts, Four Pointer, Just Between Us Girls. This number's on the boards. Sea League is the roof. That's what's up. All these other podcasts, keep listening to them. And if you want to sponsor our podcast network, talk to Mike. Just reach out to him. Talk to me. Yeah. Let's, um, let's, uh, let's get you guys some, uh, some exposure. Also, rate and review if you're so inclined. Rate and review the podcast. That helps us uh, show up on more lists. 
that helps us uh, higher in the rankings so advertisers see us and then they pay us and then if they start paying us like a decent amount of money maybe we do this a daily thing and maybe we can we just hoard all our money and, yeah. and become out of touch with the, the rest right. of the population that's also an option that's Bobby's more Bobby's option than mine but um, yeah I mean if they start putting money into this then we do it more frequently then we have money to do more fun things yeah um, and maybe you can get like a you know, a player podcast going or something. You know, let's shoot for the moon. Let's yeah. let's do it. That would be awesome. That'd be awesome. So yeah, five stars or hey, if you want to do four stars, just no, click one over. Here. Just click one over. Five stars. Um, finally, Thursday, October eleventh. That is going to be uh, a we're gonna have a, a a film screening at Alamo Draft House downtown. Rock Rubber Forty Fives. It is the Bobito Garcia story. If you think Bobito Garcia, well, that name sounds familiar. If you ever played NBA Street Volume 2, Bobito Garcia is, is the, uh, the voice of that game. He's also a very popular DJ, big-time street basketball legend. He's also a huge sneaker guy. Sneaker culture uh, is, is an enormous part of uh, basketball, kind of the basketball zeitgeist. Uh, Bobito had a lot to do with that. So, uh, Skin Wade, you all know him. He's kind of heading this uh, show up. The guy that I replaced in this podcast. Yeah, he's uh, he's Mike's sub, basically, now. <laughs> uh, he'll be there. You can enter on uh, Mavs.com slash Bobito to win a chance at four VIP tickets. Woo! To go to the screening, you can meet Bobito, get it's in on the Q&A time. afterward. Yeah, it's going to be great. They're going to be showing the movie. Um, and then afterward, he's going to do a Q&A, and he's also going to spin. He's going to do a little DJ set for us, too. So uh, that's awesome. Some people that are in this movie, by the way, I watched the trailer, Chris mm-hmm. Paul, Questlove. There's some big names in this movie. So it's going to be awesome. pretty awesome. I'll uh, be there. So, yeah, so w- Mike will be there. I'll be there. Skin will be there. It's going to be uh, Thursday, Alamo Drafthouse, Mavs.com, slash Bobito. Thank you very much, uh, you guys, for listening. We'll be back with you next week. And, hey, next time you hear us, it will be game day. Yeah. It will be Mavs at Suns, opening night, ESPN, national TV, Fox Sports South as well. Basketball is back, and we're here for it. There's numbers on the board. See you guys next week.